Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And I just want to thank everybody out there listening. We've just had so much more encouragement and engagement recently and people reaching out to us. And uh, I would love, both Steve and I would love if you would go to the Eternal Leadership Facebook page and just let us know what's working for you, what we can do for you, what topics you'd like to have. Uh, or just anything that's come out and that's just touched you or moved you or helped you in a certain way. We just love all that feedback and we use all of that to just help making the show better. And you guys are awesome. You guys are the best community ever. And you guys might have heard the name in the past of Steve and I talked of Kay Hiramini. Kay has just become a great mentor of mine. He probably has one of the biggest, he probably knows more people than anybody I personally know, doesn't he? Matt's laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Kay reaches out to me and says, here is somebody you have to have on the podcast, Steve and I always go, oh, okay, this is going to be good. And I want to introduce everybody here to Matt Rollins. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and this is the coolest thing about technology. Matt is in Singapore uh, right. It is early morning here in Denver, Colorado, and it is about after 10 at night, uh, almost 1030 yep. at night in Singapore right now. So we're on the opposite sides of the world, and we're sitting here talking over Zoom, which I think is really cool. And yeah. uh, Matt is the uh, CEO of Green Bench Consulting, and how you got there is awesome. I can't wait to hear your whole story, but 25 years in mission work all over the world with YWAM and all kinds of yeah. different levels. And just God led you back into uh, university, ended up getting a PhD in leadership in the midst of all this change that was going on. And now you work with leaders in a powerful way to really understand what tension. So everybody out there, we're going to be talking about tension, <laughs> which is not conflict, but tension leads to conflict. Tension can be good or bad. But, you know, as leaders, there's so many places in our life where we don't either know what to do, how to handle a situation, or tension can also be really good because the world is changing. We're hiring new people. We're coming up with new things that we're doing. And that pace of change that's in the world and in companies is also accelerating. And just change itself creates tension. And how do we deal yeah. with that, right? So it doesn't become yeah. like this millstone around our neck, but we can almost use it as an asset. So we're going to be really digging in with that with Matt, I'm really looking forward to this. Matt, you've written 15 books. You also write a really an outstanding daily devotional as you work with all these executives and coach leaders. But what is the uh, devotional that you write? You know, over the years, I fell in love with God. You know, that's always a dangerous thing to do because when you, it gives you something to love outside of yourself. And so when I did that, I started to study his nature and character, I'd look up his attributes, look up justice, every scripture that is related to justice. And then I would go through all of those. And I did that for years. And, uh, and then I, I, two or three years ago, I thought I would like to put it into a, it's a 300 word. So it's very short, but it would give kind of a meat. So it's a, about being human and loving God and being a leader in the world that we live in. So I put one of those out daily through a, on the ministry side, I call it Broken Top Leadership. And yeah, it's just my gift. And it's brokentopleadership.com is Matt's website. Yeah. If you want to go, there's yeah. some great resources. And here's where I'd like you to start, Matt, is kind of share your whole journey. I mean, yeah. you're uh, a little bit older than me, so I know there's been some pretty highs and lows and yeah. 
and yeah. learning opportunities along the way, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, a short version of it is I grew up in the U.S., typical. The church I went to was very conservative, and they didn't allow musical instruments in the, in the service. So the guy started with a pitch um, pipe or whatever it was. And, and in a little boy's mind, I thought, well, if God doesn't like instruments, what kind of God is he? I mean, you know, I, this thing removed, he's not very happening. And I think uh, accumulation of kind of those things grew into my mind where I, I would go to church, but was very, was more about rules and Jesus was more fire insurance for me. So short version is God orchestrated some things. When I was turning 20, I joined and did a YWAM school. And I can remember one time sitting on a, sitting in a chair and just crying. And the words that came out of my mouth were, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely. And I realized that that was kind of the, kind of the core fundamental issue. I knew I couldn't go home, and to be honest, I didn't, I didn't have a, a burden for missions. I had a burden to love God. Mm, where and in the world was, were you? I was in Hawaii, and okay. on the big island, and uh, one of the guys came up to me, and he said, hey, Matt, why don't you come to Saipan with me? I thought, yeah, great. Where's Saipan? Well, it's out in Micronesia, and I, I went out with him, and we started a YWAM base, and uh, an eight-month outreach turned into three years, and then moved to Hong Kong, spent a year there my wife and then they asked us to go to Singapore to take over the work in Singapore so it was about 10 years that I had and it was really a great kind of foundational time for understanding the basics of my faith and experiences and leadership but then I kind of hit a wall and I had had so much experience but I didn't have enough understanding of it so that's when I went back and went back to school and began to study and try to get a, a clarity on what it what how do I understand this and make sense of it all mm -hmm. I remember one time, just kind of cute time, but it was pivotal for me. Was I was in Saipan and I was a little Chamorro boy was sitting there, and I, you know I'm 20, 21 there, and I'm trying to grow a mustache because you know men have a mustache, and I'm trying to be a man. And this little Chamorro boy, and the Chamorro boys are not hairy at all. Their culture, the people are not very hairy at all. So he was fascinated and had his finger a little bit like ET, running it across my mustache, going oh, and I thinking, you know, and that's kind of where it hit me. I thought. In one culture, if you can grow a mustache, you're a man. In another culture, if you can grow a mustache, you're a freak. And it really started to get me going down this journey of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to, you know, in this whole process of figuring that's such a, out. That's such a fascinating perspective, right? Like the, the, what we consider to be normal because of how we were raised in our culture yeah. In other parts of the world or to, you know, what it even could be. Other people like yours were totally different cultures and countries. But even yeah. within our community, something that could be normal to somebody I met that grew up in the this part of town could be not yeah. normal at oh, all yeah. to kind of how I view the world. Yeah. And so you start to realize that the world is a very different place. And my kind of mono uh, one dimensional view of God and life uh, really kind of opened up. And I, you know, I, Saipan and then Hong Kong. I remember one time I was playing down center of Hong Kong, some basketball in the street. Some of the local guys wanted me to go out and have some feet, some a meal with them afterwards. And of course they put chicken feet, I think it was, uh, on the table in front of me. And you know, you look at that and you think, okay, this must be some kind of a test. So you just eat what's put before you and away you go. But, you know, so you have this accumulation of experiences with people and what they eat and all the diversity. So it really kind of forced me to go back to what are the foundations and how do I influence and engage the world in a way that truly honors God 
and that's that's been really the the journey that I've been on. I'm still on. I mean, it's what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to show up and be present? And then I realized for the early years in my life, I didn't even know how to be present. I didn't know how to be honest or vulnerable. I didn't really know how to, and the language I would put it now is I didn't know how to show up. Uh, you mm. know, I understand why Adam hid because he was afraid. And I spent a good portion of my life being afraid of showing up. And uh, so, you know, I, that was, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to figure out how to show up and be present in life. Yeah, these are such great questions like how do I show up how do I be human I think the first part of that is even understanding what does it mean to be human and I got to tell you I was really struck the other night we were all sitting around I know Kay was a big part of actually starting it's become a global movement called holy smokes it's people that are all networked that wherever they travel get together and just they have an excuse to get together to smoke a cigar but we get together and just really talk about deep things, kingdom yeah. things. And you know, yeah. it was interesting is the uh, conversation turned toward politics and yeah. everybody was talking about, uh, you know, a number of different issues, social issues and things sure. like this. But it was interesting where the struggle was, Matt, what I observed looking at the conversation yeah. was everybody's different definitions, trying to understand everybody else's definitions. How do we do this? <laughs> and what came out of that though is, Hey, what is you know, we're talking about kingdom influence, kingdom leadership. And, and that is, yeah. it, in my mind, acknowledging God's sovereignty in yeah. everything, which also means that it doesn't matter what my definition of maybe humanity is. I have yeah. to actually go back to the source and say, God, right. what is the definition of humanity and how do you want me to show up? Because yeah. that also takes away a lot of the confusion and stress and anxiety around some of those things. And so yeah. when I kind of put that out there, because that's just how I think about it, I'd love your thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah, well, one of the things I've wrestled with, and I'm actually trying to get into a leadership language here in Singapore, because some of the politics use the word humility. And I, I love the word humility. I studied it, looked at it. And the language that I use when I'm talking in the business world is a leader has to be fully human. He has to realize that he's limited that he's broken, and then he's gifted. And mm-hmm. that those three expressions of humility are constantly in tension in our own life. So to be present is to recognize that you don't and can't know everything. Be present is, means that you're dragging a bit of brokenness into a situation. And you know, as the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The self-control is to limit the damage that the brokenness can do by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then the third one is, I have a voice, I have a gift, I bring something to any group, any relationship, and something to offer because I have a unique expression of God in me. And those kind of three areas are fundamental to what it means to walk in humility and our leadership. And to be present means to have the tension of those three things going on in us at any given time. So just for our listeners, just so they, because you went through that fast and it was really powerful, what are those three areas? Okay, so Andrew Murray. So Andrew Murray said, we are created, sinner, and saint. But that doesn't work in the marketplace. So I had to find a language to move it into a a way that I could use when I'm coaching and working with people. So the language that I use is we are finite, which means we're limited, and it's okay not to know because we're finite. And the second one is we're broken. And that's what sin has done. Is, is created a broken piece within us. I mean, if we wanted to use the language of the Bible, the flesh, uh, 
you know what I mean? But I, the language of broken is people understand. And then the third one is we're gifted and we have a gift that makes us unique. We have a, an expression, a voice. Oftentimes it's the simplest way is when you lose your voice, you're not being present. It doesn't mean you have to speak all the time, but your presence is, is in the gift and how you see it and the conversations that you can have. And so those are the three tension points that go on for any leader as they're dealing with the daily tensions that are a healthy part of any system that they're involved in. And Matt, when you talk about tension, what kind of tension is that? Yeah, so maybe let me step back because I know that's yep. not a word. And that part of the reason I use that word is because I want to, I'm trying to redeem a word because we don't have one in the English language where when we can say, you know, if you said, oh, I'm having tension with my wife, people would go, oh, what's wrong? But really, in order for a husband and wife to get along, there needs to be tension because that's then where love can operate. So tension is simply a difference in preference, view, understanding, uh, expectations in this process. And I, I, let me be the first to say, I don't like tension. I'm a coward at heart. So I, I'm, you know uh, what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh yes, real men have this no fear attitude. No, I'm a coward at heart. But for the first 20 years of my life, when there was tension in a relationship, I learned how to hide. And research would say 80% of us hide and 20% of us become aggressive. It's the same response, it's the same roots, only two different responses. So part of my growing up, and I still have to say to myself, to be honest, at times, come on, Matt, you've got to put on your big boy pants, lean into the spirits, and be present in this situation, and not let my desire to hide dictate how I'm going to walk through this situation. And that's been very helpful, challenging, but helpful. So, yeah, it's... Well, I had to go back honestly and study how does God view tension? Because in the end, that's really all that I, I really want to care about. Right. Well, when you're talking about hiding, describe yeah. what that looks like. Like, you know, I could, you know, let's say you and I are working together on a project. We're either in business yeah. or it's a ministry yeah. team. And we have yeah. a very different point of view, uh, maybe yeah. about the results or how to do something or even how to interact with a certain individual uh, that's either, you know, part of our world. And you're saying 80% of the people tend to kind of pull back from that. But what does that look like? Yeah. Well, you, the um, tension is more of an emotional word than a logical word. Okay. So first of all, you've got to recognize that in a relational thing, tension is more a feeling. And, and at a physical level, it's that fight or flight or freeze. And it's that first emotional trigger that hits you. And And so part of really all I'm saying is, we have a stimulus and response. And then many times, if you're walking into a street and you hear a car coming and you jump off the street, you don't want to take a long time. You want a stimulus and a response to happen immediately. But when we're dealing with relational issues, when you're dealing with organizational change, when the leader is leading into a situation and there, there's a stimulus and then there's an immediate response, what, all they're really saying is, I feel uncomfortable and then I become reactive. And typically for a leader, they become controlling. So there's an uncomfortableness and then there's a controlling response. And either they go internally, which means they disappear, which means they won't bring it out into the open, they won't have an honest conversation about it, or they become aggressive and try to take the other person's choice away. Both of those are not truly helpful in the process. So part of it, and in the language we used to use years ago, we would call that character. And it's just creating a gap between stimulus and response so that. I would see I have options of what to do 
when I'm starting to feel threatened, vulnerable, or embarrassed. And so threatened, vulnerable, embarrassed, take a breath, create a, literally two or three seconds of space, give myself options to trust, to lean into the spirit, to, to think, okay, what, what are my options in this? And then to step into that. And that's really where the, the discipline of maturity comes, is narrowing down that automatic reaction to, no, I'm not going to react, take a breath, and then I start to think, okay, now, in light of this person and the context that I'm in and what I value, how am I going to walk into this? And that's, you know, that's the biggest challenge for leaders, um, because what we do is we feel uncomfortable, our anxiety goes up, um, and then we bring that emotional angst into the relationship, and then there's ripple effects in the leadership system that we're involved in that has emotional ripples all the way through the system, and that then uh, causes a bit of fight or flight, the system kind of seizes up, it seeks kind of control, defensive behaviors, and then we get into trouble. So that's the, the maturity that we have to kind of move towards and develop a capacity for. Yeah, so I love that you're sharing this because I think it's so important. And, you know, as you, we both do coaching and we're working with people, yeah. A lot of those responses have become habits, right? If I yeah, yeah. feel yeah, threatened yeah. or I'm vulnerable, I'm either going to withdraw and just make a decision. I'll be passive aggressive. I, I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, we could probably sit here and name all <laughs> kinds of different responses, right? I could be, I could get really quiet and then just, yeah. you know, get into a mode where I just yeah. really yeah. want to question with a sense of curiosity and understand everybody's point of view. I mean, there's, all yeah. kinds of, you know, there's this whole spectrum. But here's a question yeah. is, people that are listening, they're like, okay, I know intention. I can probably, their own situations in their lives are probably coming up as you're sharing that. Yeah. They're yeah. realizing that, you know what, what happens is there's something that happens in our environment, right? So there's a yeah. thought, like, I feel threatened. Yeah. I feel comfortable. Boy, that was embarrassing. I just got, yeah. I feel disrespected or not valued. That's going to lead yeah. to a feeling that we have. Yeah, and that, yeah. that feeling, that emotion drives the actions that we take. And then that action has an outcome on how I yeah. interact with people, the tone of voice that I use, uh, you know, how I show up in what you say. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah. happens is the more and more we do that, because our brain wants to be efficient, that trigger might happen. Just somebody, there's certain body language. I immediately get annoyed or angry or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So then, because I'm kind of skipping that habit, I skip those. So what do I do to actually start saying, okay, especially working with Holy Spirit, especially moving into a place of being more human, the way yeah. that God defines it, Yeah. what is the process to actually start changing how I show up to start getting yeah. better results? That's a great question. Uh, one of the things to really be aware of is if you wait for the big crisis to try to practice this, it's too late. So really what you've got to do to start to develop this capacity, and it, tension is the leverage point for what I would call um, successful executives who model authenticity, integrity, and those who don't, it's spiritually mature are able to leverage tension and, and build an organization using tension rather than reacting to tension. So the, the first thing to do is to be aware of what's going on. And so, you know, there's this self-awareness thing that is really important. Let me go back to Genesis because I love hanging out in Genesis. So the first question 
God asks Adam. So this is God's first interaction. So A, first he's fully present. So he comes into the garden. He doesn't send an angel. God shows up. So he's modeling to us. And then his first communication is he asks the question. Now, if the almighty God, who knows all things, is the first thing he does is ask the question is because he's trying to model to us the power of a question. So he asks a question. So then we've got to ask, well, what question does he ask? And the first question he asks is, where are you? Now, for me, that's a fundamental question. Okay, that's, you know, the starting place. of Yeah, because God already knew the answer. Yeah. So, so then you have to ask yourself, what is the reason that he asked Adam that question is the first question, right? That's right, yeah. And the reason he asked Adam that question is because that's the question that we first have to ask. So he asked three questions. Where are you? Who told you? And have you eaten? So you've got first one, where are you? Which is uh, contextual. You know, it's an honest vulnerability about reality. The second question is who told you? So who has authority to speak into your life? And then the third one is, have you eaten, which is personal responsibility. So God works down those three questions in the first situation where we're dealing with a broken world after our rebellion. And those are the things that you've got to be able to go to. So the first question, where are you, is simply a, an honest, what am I feeling? And label those, name those feelings. I am afraid. I am concerned. I am. And if you can start to do that in, in the stiller, smaller, simpler moments, when you get into key moments, then you're not sucked into the reaction because there's so much emotional weight being shifted around in some kind of a power play or change or potential embarrassment or threat. So yeah, those three questions are kind of my primary go-to questions. If God starts off with three questions, A, we got to ask questions, and then B, understand what is he looking for? Where are you? Who told you? You know, who are you listening to? Who has authority in your life? And then uh, have you eaten, which is in personal responsibility. So those are the those are the things that we've got to be working on to grow up. And to kind of build on that, let's say that, you know, here, how am I feeling in this, right? I, I could just feel extreme discomfort, which then yeah. I know does not allow me to, let's say, engage with either in a conversation or with other people who have maybe different points of view. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, my, the work that I get to do, which is mostly out in the world, I am constantly running across people that do not share, or how about this, have very, I think, different value and belief systems than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so sometimes they're just proactive on like things that they share on, on their point yeah. of view. And so here's what I've had to learn is if I want to have a different outcome, labeling that feeling like what's happening today is there is so much power in that because then I can say that feeling led to me either, let's say withdrawing. Yeah. How yeah. would I have liked to have shown up? What would be that, that way, that action that I could have taken that would have had a much better outcome either yeah. in that situation or even just for me personally as, yeah. because I need to grow. And then what I can do is say, okay, when that happens again, whatever caused that feeling, because it is going to happen again, I actually then yeah. have to write down and identify, this is the feeling I want to have. Because that feeling yeah. would lead to this, you know, kind of engagement. Yeah. I would actually ask a question versus maybe being offended yeah. or whatever yeah. it happens to be. And I whatever. think if yeah. we can pre-experience it, uh, yeah. or how about this, if we don't do that, and we have not pre-experienced it, in the moment, we are not going to have a different feeling nor have a different outcome. 
And yeah. so a lot of the things I have my clients do is actually start to write these things down as they're noticing them in their environment. What happened? What was that first thought that you had? Oh, I'm uncomfortable or I feel threatened or yeah. they don't like the, I'm disrespected or I'm not welcome. How did I feel? What action yeah. did I take? And then what was the outcome of that action that you took? And then now start to write down what you would have liked that to look like. Because that is, I think that awareness, building that in right there is the key to not only changing habits, uh, but especially when we do this exercise prayerfully, we bring Holy Spirit into that to give us some insight and awareness into how he would guide us in that yeah. moment, can yeah. then just can draw us closer you know, Christ told us to transform our mind, right? When, yeah. when yeah, we yeah. were saved, our spirit, our human spirit was made whole immediately. Yeah. But now we're talking about our heart, right? Yeah. And in our heart lies all of these misconceptions, I believe, about who God sees when he looks at us versus who yeah. we see in the mirror. All this stuff yeah. that we've let in, that's the transformation. My conscious, my subconscious, my, my core yeah. beliefs about myself, my really yeah. getting in touch with my values. I have to really start looking at all those things. And the great yeah. thing is we don't have to just go through this alone. It's not some big mysterious process. This is something that Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit yeah. are absolutely excited about helping us do. And yeah. it's actually part of their mission in our lives. Yeah, and, I, and for me, I the reason tension doesn't have to be feared is because there's no surprises for God. And if I if I know the tension isn't making me feel something, but it's only revealing what's in my heart for out of the heart of man, it's then when I see those things in me and I start to kind of be aware of what's in me, what, what are the broken pieces, or sometimes what I'll, I'll add a step into what you just said is I'll say, let's go behind that. What's that feeling? And then I'll go, Let, what's behind that? What would be true about you if you went behind that feeling? So you're angry. So let's dip down beneath that anger and Anger is a surface emotion. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, what's the pain beneath the anger? And we'll prod around there a little bit to help them see what's going on beneath it. And sometimes I'll ask, you know, I'm, I'm afraid. And then I can say, okay, what are you afraid of? And then you, you drop down a level and you can get down to a level where you, you start to talk about the emotions and the fears and the misplaced values. And as you said, some of those broken pieces. And then that's where the comforter comes in. So yeah, it's this process of engaging and going through it. And then I realize well, I don't have to be afraid. And as soon as I do that, and then I remove that automatic reaction step, and I start to give myself more and more space to be myself and to be engaged in a process through that discipline. Yeah, and it's in alignment with that second question God asked, right? Who told you? Yeah. And for us, some of us, it could be going way back to, I, I was oh, yeah. actually just working with a, a woman. She was a client of mine. She was running a really effective nonprofit here in town. I was doing work with her and, and kind of the yeah. management team. And yeah. she was just really struggling with kind of her role. Yeah. Uh, but when she was younger, she had been told by somebody very close to her, her father, yeah. that he didn't yeah. think she'd ever be a good leader. Yeah. Yeah, so there you you go. So you go all the way back to this one place. That is one of those things that, like I would say, that's a lie that we've let in as a truth because that's not what God sees, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So think about, you know, if we kind of actually, I think it's worth sometimes going back 
and actually looking at some of those you know points that we're having today and connect them to things in the past because you yeah. talked about you know healing right and brokenness yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. if i can th here's how i look at it is if i look at some of those things in the past and there's still brokenness there there's still this emotional piece you know depending on the situation that might never go away but yeah. if i can start looking at it in the context of how that informs what i do today how i view myself how that yeah. maybe has prepared me to have certain yeah. experiences to relate to others in a way that maybe somebody else isn't maybe equipped to you know just be that yeah. one person in somebody's life that yeah. that they needed to you know come along right at this moment yeah. Um, you know, when God said, you know, one of the first things God said to me, Matt, at my accident, when yeah. he spoke to me was all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Yeah. And as I looked at some of the stuff in my life, I'm like, well, that, that doesn't feel very congruent, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like this accident, like, you know, being in the hospital for two years and yeah. I lost yeah, yeah. all of my health, my income, yeah. my oh, yeah. network, yeah, my yeah. company. I mean, I lost everything. I'm like, how does this work together for good? But I had a choice to make in that moment. Yeah. I had a choice to actually, you know what? I'm going to choose to believe that right. that is true and start looking toward the future with hope that at some point there is a plan that it is going to work together for good. And I might not ever really know the plan. I don't know if I completely understand the plan today, Yeah. but yeah, moving yeah. forward from that place of hopefulness for me, yeah. I believe made all the difference in how I started showing up in the world versus being bitter or resentful. Yeah. Um, yeah which I, you know, could have easily happened. Yeah. Well, it's so true. And, and, you know, that's a radical experience. Um, and, you know, I love um, the story of Joseph where, you know, after he wrestles with God, he walks with a limp. And I think over this last month or so, I've started to realize that I have a limp in my life because of my own brokenness and that that's an important part of understanding what does it mean to be human and, and engaging the world and not being ashamed or embarrassed but knowing that a god of all comfort will walk with me through that and yeah i think it's really huge they the research would say that by the time people are five to seven years old their kind of core value emotional internal reference points as are set so yes we do need to go back and, and kind of reference those and some of the lies or some of those misplaced misunderstood values that we just kind of absorb into our soul that get us into trouble. So that's a, that is a part, and that's part of what the gift of tension is to us, um, to help us grow into the image of God, into the image of Christ. Mm. You know, and you talk about and write about a lot, Matt, being human in leadership, and there's challenges in being human while we're in yeah. leadership. And so we've kind of talked about some of the things that we know what it's what it probably shouldn't look like. Yeah. What does it look like to be fully human in the context of what God has called us into and who he's created us to be? Yeah. Well, you know, in my work with uh, the civil service here and my work with organizations, part of the reminder, because what we tend to do is we tend to show up by performance. And we pretend we tend to be defined by what we do, which should be an expression of who we are, but we turn it around and we use what we do to define who we are, and then it gets very convoluted. 
So really to show up is to be aware emotionally. And the, the key word, I mean, this is going to be a funny scripture, but in Genesis 2, verse 25, it, the last part before chapter 3, which is where the rebellion comes in, the last verse God tells us about is Genesis chapter 2. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. And, you know, you can, if, don't let go visual on that, but but the, the point I think of that is, I think that's the peak of, and the purpose of God saying, this is man and woman. Now remember, he's put Adam asleep and ripped the woman out of Adam and then said, okay, you guys got to put him back together. So there's tension right there before the rebellion. So that sense of being vulnerable and not operating from shame is absolutely core to what it means to be human. And I, I think because we don't see that there, we don't understand what God has been trying to do the whole Old Testament to get us into the New Testament, to send the comfort of Jesus' death, is to restore us to the place where we can be transparent and not operate from shame. In other words, the effects of sin is minimized, and God would actually use the sin to do greater things than us through that process. So I love that verse at the end of chapter 2 in Genesis because it speaks of what God's original purpose was, you know, and then we, if we get to John in the New Testament, he says, by this shall all men know you are my disciple, that you show up and care for each other in your differences. And so you start to see the story of God as he's laying it out. And it starts to make sense that, you know, this, this, you know, Adam blames God, the woman you gave to me, Eve blames the devil. And there we have bad theology and bad understanding of spiritual warfare of victims. And the journey has begun. We're going to hide behind people or things or lies to protect ourselves from the pain of what sin has done in our lives. And this, this is no small task. Well, just think about if as Christians, we just embraced what you just said, right? They'll know that you're my disciple, that if you just show up and help each other, regardless of your differences, if we just fully loved God and fully loved others because yeah. for us to have influence in the lives of others around us, we have to connect before we can pull. That's something John Maxwell always says. But if yeah. people don't see us in the mode of somebody who really cares for them versus either what I can get out of it, or maybe yeah. uh, you meet people that are different from you and you're just coming from a place of extreme judgment yeah. you know that's going to immediately build, that's immediate yeah. tension because yeah. it comes across just in our tone of voice, our body language, yeah. the words we use. It would be virtually impossible for me to ever have a positive influence on somebody else who feels that I think that they are less than or not worthy or any of those things, which we've probably all felt from others, you know, growing up our whole life. We know what that feels like and we don't like it. Yeah, no, that's right. And that's the, that's the work. That's the work of maturity. That's the work that all organizations are struggling with today because the world is changing so much. It's escalating tensions. We're trying to react to that and keep control. And then it amplifies the tensions. And then we get into vicious cycles and, and then we get ourselves into trouble. And for me, to be salt and light means to show up and to bring minimum anxiety into whatever position, whether it's sales or cleaning or education or whatever role I, I'm in and to be minimum anxiety and to be minimum anxiety is to be salt and light to a world who is slowly corrupting under the anxiety and the weight of a world that they live in. 
and that's really no small challenge for well for me i mean for any of us i think yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's, you know, salt and light, you know, we've also been called to disciple nations, right? And some of these yeah, things really right. sound big, you know, and I've heard people quote, you know, through Christ, all things are possible. When you put those two together, though, and you start showing up the way you just described, being human and having an influence on just, yeah. you know, one life yeah. and that life has an influence on another life and all of a sudden like what you're doing i'll guarantee you i well i know you know part of your story and yeah. and things that i know Kay is involved in right been yeah. part of changing entire communities either whether it's on a yeah. ywam base the people that you're reaching out to you start working with a leader in a company and some of the people on the management team and they start showing up differently yeah. that changes the nature of an entire organization right. which then can change the lives of everybody in it that they touch. Then they no, actually start, right. can maybe start focusing outwards. They start saying, you know what, there's things that are going on in our community that, man, I don't like. They, they make me angry, but in a righteous way, right? It moves me to yeah. action because I don't like that this and this and this <laughs> are going on. And now we actually start to get involved. It's not all about me, how much I can, you know, how yeah. big my paycheck is, how many, did I get yeah. the promotion? And here's the thing that for a lot of people is counterintuitive, increasing, I think, what you get paid because you're adding more value, getting that promotion starts, I believe, with becoming that best version of yourself, that person that God created you to be, because that just starts to now unleash resources, not just financial, but relationships yeah. that come into your life that are more enriching you have less, you know, you're less in your head. So you actually can think clear, which allows you to be more yeah. creative, innovative, productive, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, better relationship with your wife and your kids, the yeah. benefits yeah. of putting in actually this, because uh, I think that inner game, right, really determines the outer game. So really kind of yeah. making it this intentional focus on how do I yeah. move from the real self to that ideal self? Yeah. And closing that gap is so important. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I mean, that's one of the things that I guess really has been a part of my journey. And I think for me, the thing that spoiled me, as I said at the start, was that when I fell in love with God, I, loved, I started to love him more than myself. And when I started to love him more than myself, I realized that really what he wanted me to do was to show up and be me. And because I loved him, the only reason that I could face myself is because I had a greater love for God. So it's not just, you know, they have these lizards, or I forget what they're called, but they have eyes that kind of counter-rotate in different ways. And I always tell people, anytime you're looking within, always keep one eye on looking at God. So you have a reference point. So when you see yourself and you see what's inside of you, which is not very pretty, and you, you have the other eye on God and you go, yes, but the, the father of all comfort, the, the God of peace, the, the forgiving one, the merciful, the graceful one is for me in the midst of this. And that builds then capacity to continue to face our fears and those internal things and to, to face the pains of, of life because life is painful. So just as a side note, how do people find you, get in touch with you, your website, Matt? Brokentopleadership.com is my ministry side. Thegreenbench.com is my business side. Um, are my two different vehicles that I use. 
and then some of my books are available on some of them are on Amazon. They can look them up. And some of those types of things. It's Matthew Rollins, R A W L I N S. If you guys want to, yeah, look them up there. You can see that. And just you know, as we wrap up, Matt, what yeah. are just some final thoughts if people are kind of listening to this conversation that you could leave people with, so they could maybe take that next small step forward for themselves of being more fully human from that perspective of what God sees when he looks at us? I guess in summary, I'm actually going to switch it now. I'm going to say this. We're made in someone's image, okay? And the way you get to know yourself is by learning who God is, by learning what his attributes are, by learning what does it mean to be righteous and kind and just mm. and faithful. What does it, and what does it mean that he emptied himself of power and became a servant? So it, it's not solely about just discovering who I am because we've lost the image of that. What does it mean to be human? So part of what we have to do and what I love to do is I love to read the story of Jesus. And, and I'm in Mark right now and reading the story of, you know, Jesus in the synagogue. And they, they're looking to, you know, they get Jesus because there's a man in there with a withered hand. And, and then it says Jesus angry with them, grieved because of, the, the, you know, so here you get Jesus angry. But then he goes deeper and he says and grieve. He's engaging them. He's, you know, so really it's not about what my culture says. It's not about what marketing says. It's God, who, who is Jesus? Because he's fully human and he came to make us fully human, not just spiritual things, but fully human. And he knows what it means to be human. So and the more we love him, the more actually human we become, the more unique we become. So that's the paradox. It's not just trying to be more me. It's learning to love him more and recognizing that he loves me. He just wants me to be me. And then that gives me the freedom to show up and not be afraid. And so my, and actually loving him more, I actually become myself. And I, I become free by dying to myself, by giving myself away in love for him. I have more freedom to be me. And that's probably the ultimate paradox. Hmm. I, oh, I think that's such a beautiful sentiment, right? Just to, just yeah. to realize I'm made in God's image. And to learn more about who I really am, which sometimes seems like a daunting process. <laughs> but to actually, uh, it's actually pretty straightforward. If I study Christ, who he is, what he did, how he showed up, yeah. right? That's the image in which we were made that he has called us to transform into. So we, it's like, uh, it reminds me of uh, the Secret Service, right? They do all the, uh, yeah. the work for counterfeits, you know, for currency. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And do you know the only, you know, I asked uh, one of the guys once and I'm like, hey, how do you figure out, you know, how do you study all these counterfeits? He goes, we don't. We never study a counterfeit ever. Yeah. We study the, the real article, the actual yeah. dollar, every aspect of it. Because as soon as you know exactly what the real yeah. one looks like, you can spot a counterfeit in a second. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, great, it's, that's it's, a great example. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well, love God, and then you can't help but love yourself, and then it'll flow out and love your neighbor. It's not complicated. Mm. It's difficult, but it's not complicated. <laughs> it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'd love to have you on again and just keep this conversation going and love to stay in touch and... I just yeah. encourage everybody out there to just connect with Matt and stay in touch with him and get his devotional. You can get it by going to uh, 
brokentopleadership.com. And uh, man, thank you for staying up late. I know it's now uh, after 11 at night out there in Singapore and uh, yeah. I know how busy you keep. So I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's, a, it's an easy dialogue to have with you. I love hearing your heart and connecting with you and, and that process. And it's been a, a pleasure to stay up and, and hang out a bit. And I, I'd love to do it again if we can work it out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Matt. Okay, take care.